At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Under the Dome. It's the week of June 6, 2022. And on today's episode, reporters Avi Bajpai and Will Doran explain what's next for three big bills the North Carolina Senate just passed. For the News and Observer, I'm Avi Bajpai, your host of this week's episode of Under the Dome. It was a busy week at the North Carolina General Assembly last week, particularly in the state Senate, where lawmakers passed three major bills over the span of just two days. The votes to expand Medicaid insurance coverage to around 500,000 people, legalize medical marijuana to treat certain ailments, and ban elementary school teachers from teaching K uh, through three students about LGBTQ issues were significant steps for the Senate. And now they've teed up major decisions in the House in terms of what should be passed and sent to Governor Roy Cooper's desk and what should not. Joining us on today's episode to help break down all of the action in the Senate last week is my colleague, Will Doran. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Avi. Happy to talk about it. Yeah, it's uh, like I was saying, it was was a busy week. Uh, We were both down there at the legislature. Um, I think we should start with the most bipartisan vote last week. Um, That was expanding Medicaid coverage. So I wanted to ask you, you know, you've been writing about this um, for a long time. I wanted to ask you, um, how significant is it that nearly all Democrats and Republicans in the Senate um, came together to pass Medicaid expansion? Oh, it was hugely significant. I mean, you know, we didn't have a state budget for multiple years because the Democrats and the Republicans couldn't agree on Medicaid expansion and the Democrats decided to make it, you know, such a, a big sticking point and the Republicans just decided to not bend at all on that. You know, so we went for years without, you know, funding extra raises for teachers or funding new, you know, road construction projects or all the other things that you would normally do in a budget uh, because of a fight over Medicaid expansion. And now it gets put up for a vote and passes uh, the first vote was 44 to 2, and the second vote was 44 to 1, because uh, one of the people who voted against it the first time didn't show up for the second vote. Um, you know, it was this nearly unanimous, just overwhelming support for it. And it, you know, it was just would really, I think, shock people if we, you know, traveled back in time just a couple of years and told them that this had happened. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if anyone would believe us. Um Part of the reason why it was so bipartisan uh, is because it's not just Medicaid expansion. It has several things in addition to Medicaid expansion bill that have been longtime goals for conservatives, really kind of on the regulatory reform side. Uh, There's some 
things uh, towards certificate of need, which is a, a very esoteric law regarding hospitals and competition that I won't go into a ton here, but we've written about that in the past before. Uh, if that is yeah. something that uh, <laughs> you're curious about, you can Google yeah. uh, certificate of need North Carolina, and I'm sure you'll find plenty of coverage about it. But there's reforms to that. There's reforms to nursing rules, telehealth stuff, um, really some stuff that hospitals and doctors have lobbied against and killed in the past, um, but that Republicans think that they can get passed into law this time by attaching it to Medicaid. So it's passed the Senate, like you were saying, um, 44 to 1, the final vote. What does that lopsided margin, what does that mean for um, the bill's ability to pass the House, basically overcome opposition in the House, um, be considered for a vote in the House. Um, and, and particularly, I want to bring up this point of, um, you know, senior GOP figures in the Senate, senators like Ralph Heiss, um, and then, of course, leader Phil Berger, um, taking time during the floor discussion, um, discussion of the bill this week, um, to, you know, talk at length about how they came around to supporting this. Um, what does this all mean to you? How, how do you interpret this for the bill's prospects in the House? Well, we are probably only going to be, when I say we, I mean <laughs> everyone at the legislature, probably only going to be around a couple more weeks, uh, you know, maybe just really through the end of June. It's looking like everyone wants to get out of there pretty early um, this summer. So anything that's going to happen in the House has to happen fast. House Speaker Tim Moore has been pretty clear that he's not super interested in moving on Medicaid expansion this year. Uh, he said he's got bigger priorities, uh, like dealing with the state budget. Um, the state actually collected, uh, we, we already have a state budget for this year, but we collected around $6.5 billion more than we expected. So that's some extra money that they can figure out how to do something with, or if they don't figure something out, then it just kind of sits around because, uh, you know, it goes into the rainy day fund. Um, but, you know, more would like to try to work with the Senate to figure out some way to spend all that money, um, whether it's on you know tax cuts or further capital projects or whatever. Um, so we'll see if the, the Senate tries to play a little bit of hardball um, and, you know, not really play ball with him on the budget unless Medicaid expansion uh, goes through, um, you know, that, that's kind of one of those sort of insider baseball things that, uh, w everyone is going to be watching down there from members of the legislature to lobbyists, to journalists, to just members of the public who, you know, are, are invested in these things. Um, yeah. and I think that kind of gets at what you were just talking about with, uh, top senators like Senator Berger and Senator Heiss really, you know, not just saying, okay, I support this, let's pass it on, but really giving lengthy, extended speeches, laying out multiple reasons why they think this is a good deal. Um, you know, Senator Berger uh, ended his speech saying that the fight has just begun on this and that, you know, he is going to work on House members to try to put some pressure on the House to pass this. And he asked all of the other senators to do the same. Uh, and that is not something that you really hear said in public ever over at the building, you know, <laughs> um, you know, really, uh, uh, 
I, I was sitting next to uh, Travis Fain, who's a WRL reporter. Uh, when it happened, you know, he looked at me, he's like, wow, like they're going to the mat for this. And, you know, I, I yeah. think Travis hit the nail on the head with that. Like, you know, Senator Berger is going to go to the mat for Medicaid, it seems, which, you know, he's he said himself, he's been probably the strongest opponent of it in North Carolina for years. Uh, but things have changed. Um, and, uh, he's decided that it's, uh, you know, it's not as risky of a decision as he once thought it was. And so he thinks it's the the best decision to do right now. So let's turn to the next bill that we have here. Um, next major bill that, um, passed the Senate again this week, uh, or last week, I should say. Um, and, and that's this Republican led effort. Um, this has been something that both parties have, uh, have their various bills on and, and policies and stances on, but this is a GOP led effort to legalize medical marijuana. Um, I'm wondering, is it surprising for you to see this bill quickly, uh, put on the calendar for the rules committee and then passed out of the Senate after not really having any progress on it for several months? Yeah, this has been a really, uh, a really interesting bill. Um, it was filed over a year ago, um, kind of spring of 2021, by Senator Bill Rabin, who is one of the, the most powerful people at the legislature. He's chairman of the Rules Committee, which is the most influential committee over there. Um, it basically decides, you know, what bills are going to get a vote or not. Um, and so, you know, to have him sponsoring it was a huge deal. It flew through a ton of other committees in 2021, but as soon as it hit his own committee, which was the final step and where it was basically guaranteed to pass, it never came up. And so, you know, that obviously led to tons of speculation about what was going on. They weren't really saying, but, you know, clearly something was, uh, you know, holding it up, whether it was, you know, lobbying pressure behind the scenes or, uh, troubles with getting the GOP caucus on board. Uh, you know, it, it was never really a question that the bill would pass because we, you know, we always knew that at least a few Republicans would vote for it and basically every Democrat would vote for it. Um, but there's kind of an unspoken rule at times that you don't put bills up unless they have not just a majority of support, but a majority of the majority party. Um, and so, you know, it could be that they just needed a few months to convince enough fellow Republicans to get on board. Um, and, you know, what Senator Rabin has said the whole time and what he continued to reiterate last Thursday was that he wants this bill to be very strict. Um, and so that has, you know, not really made some marijuana advocates very happy. And uh, and some Democratic senators, too, have tried to loosen some of the restrictions, make it a little bit more liberal those suggestions have all been shot down, uh, really to make sure that, you know, enough Republicans were going to remain on board with it. Um, you know, you, you kind of have this balancing match of like, okay, we're going to, you know, approve this, but it's going to be very limited in, in what it can apply to. Um, and, you know, there's around 15 different things. Uh, cancer, PTSD are kind of the main two, uh, but Crohn's disease, sickle cell anemia are on the list. Things that aren't on the list that some other states have done are glaucoma, chronic pain um, to be used to treat opioid addiction. Uh, yeah. Some of the Republicans were a little scared that those issues were a little too vague, uh, could be almost a loophole to make it more just kind of like de facto recreational legalization, which they really 
did not want to do. Um, and so uh, they have passed what they think is a, a very strict version of medical marijuana, but it is medical marijuana. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, again, if we uh, could talk to our tra- time traveling selves from a couple of years ago and yeah. tell them that, you know, on the same day, the Senate uh, <laughs> voted for both marijuana and Medicaid expansion. Uh, you know, I-, I think even a lot of the people who just voted for those two things would would think that we're crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a huge uh, it's a huge development. Um, so I want to ask you before we move on to our last bill that we're going to be talking about today. Kind of a similar question. The bill passed, I believe it was 35 to 10 was the final vote count. Um, So some bipartisan opposition, but obviously bipartisan support for it. How does that, what does that say to you uh, for its prospects in the House? Well, it says a couple things. It says, one, uh, the Senate is paying attention to polling. I mean, if you look at public opinion polls for years, medical marijuana has been getting, you know, 60, 70, sometimes even 80% support from the general public. Um, you know, it's the vast majority of people want this. The majority of Republicans want it. The majority of Democrats want it. The majority of white people, black people, uh, you know, really every way that you can slice the demographics of both the nation and the state, specifically here in North Carolina, large majorities of people support medical marijuana. Support for full legalization is not as high, which is why Republicans did not want to kind of loosen some of the rules and put things in like glaucoma or chronic pain uh, that sometimes, you know, people sort of make fun of in other states, you know, people faking uh, to go get marijuana. Um, Yeah. You know, I I should be clear. There is still majority support for recreational marijuana, but it's more like, you know, like 51, 52%, not 75, 80%. So, now, does that matter as much to the House? We'll see. Um, you know, uh, you know, this is politics, obviously, and uh, a lot of the House seats are pretty safe uh, for Republicans. The Senate has a few more uh, kind of competitive seats, uh, at least percentage-wise, than the House does. Um, so it could be that the politics, you know, of it don't really matter quite as much to the House. Um, but you know, I, I could also definitely be proven wrong about that. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. You know, 37 or 38 other states have already done this. I think everyone kind of realizes it's just a matter of time until North Carolina does it as well. And, you know, all of the other holdout states, too. Um, and so, you know, the question is just, you know, do Republicans want to support it now with rules they might like? Or do they want to risk in a few years if maybe, you know, Okay, we've waited a few years to support it, but all of a sudden, you know, the rules that are getting proposed are actually a lot less strict than, you know, what we had in 2022. That'll be one one factor. So let's uh, let's move on to the last bill that um, was was a major um, piece of legislation to be quickly proposed in the Senate, uh, quickly introduced and then passed. Um, We're talking here about the parents, uh, what what the proponents of this bill have called the parents Bill of Rights. Um, its critics um, have uh, compared it to uh, so-called "don't say gay" legislation uh, that's uh, propped up in the rest of the country, particularly in Florida. Um, I, I'm curious what you make of this bill moving through the Senate this quickly, and now it's up um, up for consideration in the House. Uh, you know, this was uh, I, I was covering this bill um, uh, down at the legislature this week. 
Um, and, you know, this is a very controversial, uh, divisive bill. It's um, inspired a lot of, uh, you know, passionate criticism, passionate concern about what the ramifications of this bill could be. Basically, I think we should, you know, we should break down for, for listeners two of the main um, provisions here. You know, one, one of the central provisions is this bill bans, like I was saying before, uh, between kindergarten and third grade, uh, bans schools from teaching kids, students about LGBTQ issues. Um, there's also a more controversial provision, I, I could say, which basically says that if school records or school employees uh, record or start using a different pronoun for a student, um, if a student changes their pronouns, then the student, then the school is basically um, under this bill required to inform parents about that. Um, that's a very sensitive issue. Um, and, and opponents of this bill, many from many members of the LGBTQ community have said, um, express a lot of concern about, you know, what could happen if, if that becomes law, um, what, what it could mean for LGBTQ, uh, youth in the state. You know, uh, right after this bill passed, uh, the Senate, basically immediately after there were protesters in the gallery, uh, you know, one floor up who started, uh, chanting in protest. Um, to voice their opposition. Um, Equality NC is one of the biggest LGBTQ advocacy groups in the state. Um, they held uh, basically sort of a, a presser, a press conference right after. Um, and one thing that, you know, I thought was interesting was I spoke with uh, Kendra Johnson. She's the executive director of Equality NC. She was basically saying, you know, this bill, she doesn't really think this bill is something that lawmakers necessarily want to see become law. Um, she she sees some sort of political calculations here, um, and I wonder, you know, what you make of that. Well, I I don't know that they uh, they they don't want it to become law, but I think it has no chance of becoming law. I mean, it so it passed the Senate. It will almost certainly pass the House uh, probably this week, maybe next week. Um, but you know, Roy Cooper is going to veto it. Um, so you know, you know, it's kind of a a, a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, what, what's interesting about this bill, and obviously a lot of the attention both from the general public and from lawmakers and a lot of their speeches has focused on, uh, you know, the pieces of the bill, uh, like the, the forced outing, uh, piece that you mentioned and, uh, the, the ban on some curriculum on LGBT stuff that you mentioned, but the vast majority, it's actually a very long bill and the vast majority of it focuses on, completely different stuff. Um, you know, uh, giving parents more access to information about, you know, like, uh, you know, the, their kids' schools, academic records and their kids' textbooks and other kind of like teaching materials that even, even some health records, right. And health records too. Um, so, and, and actually, uh, some, some Democrats filed a bill that was also called the parents' bill of rights that had some kind of similar proposals for allowing parents more access to educational records, you know, and things like that. It, it was not as sweeping as the GOP bill, but kind of the, the theory was sort of the same, but the GOP version had also that poison pill of the LGBT issues uh, that's just going to, you know, obviously doom the bill. Um, so if those hadn't been in there, who knows, like it, you know, some of the, the pro parent stuff with, the textbooks and the academic records, that might have been something that they could have gotten bipartisan support on. But once you throw in 
um, you know, the, the gay rights stuff, then obviously it's going to become just, you know, a complete partisan divide and you can expect the governor to veto it. So, um, yeah, probably of the, the three bills we've talked about on this episode of medical marijuana and Medicaid expansion and uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights, I would say the, the Parents' Bill of Rights is the most likely to uh, to head to Roy Cooper's desk, um, but also, you know, it's the only one that he's definitely going to veto. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't weighed in 100 percent on all three to say he's definitely going to sign the other two or that he's definitely going to veto uh, this one, but, uh, you know, based on his past support of Medicaid, uh, you know, I, I think everyone would be shocked if he, if he did not sign that into law, if he, if it got to his desk, but that's the big question. Yep. That's certainly, um, uh, what we're going to be looking out for in the coming, uh, couple of, couple of weeks. Um, all right. Well, I, you know, that does it for, for us for this week, um, uh, to listeners, uh, be sure to tune in, uh, next week for another episode of Under the Dome. Um, until then, I'm Avi Bachpai here with uh, Will Doran uh, from the News and Observer. Thank you for listening. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.